0: hello 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 what is that you ask another podcast yes it is me your host kb back with another episode of the ninja turtle power hour episode 69 to be exact 69 of these bad boys that's a pretty solid effort I think this is my 6th or 7th episode this year, which is a vast improvement on the year prior, so pretty proud of that. Um, want to just kick it off, start straight up with the news. Um, the biggest bit of news that came out, I think yesterday or the day before, was that Rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has been ordered for Season 2. Which, it seems really quick that Season 2 would be ordered, but... Obviously, there's positive feedback coming off the first few episodes which have been released, but I think it was probably inevitable anyway that we're going to get a season two, being that it's a Nickelodeon-owned property, and they really haven't got into the full marketing blitz for the show yet. I don't know about overseas, but we haven't seen any merchandise or anything pop up yet, so... Obviously, once that stuff stuff kicks off, then they will get a bit more, I guess, figures and whatever uh, as to how the line is doing and how much money it's making. So, as always, the TV show is really just a marketing tool for pushing out product that they sell. Um, so, yeah, Season 2 is already greenlit I'm not too sure how many episodes I'm assuming it's 26 episodes I don't know if that's how many episodes was confirmed for season 1 It seems to be 26 episodes Seems to be what Nickelodeon generally do So I'm assuming we've got at least another f- 26 episodes coming in season 2 So I am planning to rewatch episode 1 uh prior to watching the next i think it's four episodes we've got i've got lined up to watch uh, just to see if my change my feelings have changed at all see if i react a little differently since i won't have expectations going in since i've already seen it i'll be able to rewatch it with fresh eyes and then just reabsorb maybe i missed some stuff so i'll i'll give that another watch in the next uh, week or two um and I sort of want to rewatch that coming off the fact that I've just read issue 0 of the IDW comic book uh, which ties in with the TV series based off of the issue 0 and, and sort of the comments I made after watching the first episode the character designs my stance on them has softened a little, a little bit. I'm thinking over time I may grow to like them. They may win me over. Um, and I'm thinking that's mainly due to I really like the animation style. I That was one of the things I gave the show props for in my previous episode was that I like the way it's a- animated. I like the, the colour palette. Just the feel of the show looks nice. It was just the character designs that... Th- threw me for a loop a bit, but seeing them in the comic form, obviously it's not exact translation, but I, I just, I liked it a little more. So I'm thinking that that may be something that I grow with over time. So as the podcast goes for the next 12 months, we'll we'll see if my views change um, and I'll revisit that at some point. But so I guess the first talking point of the episode following on from that point is issue 0 of the of the new comic so i th- i was expecting it to be a prequel story and maybe we're going to get some new information but that was before i knew the show was actually going to premiere before this issue was released and instead of being a prequel, it appears that this issue takes part, takes place directly after episode one. Um, and we don't really find out a great, we don't really find out any new information. Uh, a couple of interesting things I did pick up out of there. Uh, we find out that April is working for a store called Burgerville. So, she's obviously a younger character here, so this, I'm assuming this is like a teenage job, you know, bit of spending money on the side, so a different job, we've seen her uh, as a lab assistant and obviously a reporter she's best known for, so something a little different, uh, see what stories arise from that, if any in the future, um, and we see a couple of what they refer to as mosquitoes, which are the mosquitoes that we saw in the first episode, which is basically what is used to mutate humans into the mutants. So, I wasn't too sure, I couldn't remember if the mosquitoes were given the name mosquitoes in the episode. It's kind of a corny name, but I guess it fits in well with some other of the wacky names in the turtle property. So just a couple of little bits of information that I picked up there. I think they also name the weapons here. I I feel like I remember seeing that, but I didn't actually jot a note of it. So, yeah, just a, yeah, just a couple of little bits of information. At least there's something... Uh, the story here is very simple. Nothing super compelling, but there's... The turtles are sort of oogling. I'll I'll condense it uh, a lot here, but the turtles are basically going gaga over their new weapons when uh, April sort of comes in to tell them how her day went. Um, She pops out, and the turtles, some miscommunication, they think April has just gone missing. They've turned around and she's gone, uh, but really she's she's just stepped out for a sec. Um, And it's really just an excuse... For the turtles to find a reason to go above ground and test out their new weapons, so while they're above ground, they come into contact with these mutant silverfish, who I don't know. They kind of get like a. They start off with a bit of a a Mauser's vibe, kind of a bit of a Mauser look to them in a way as well. They get all destroyed and then they form into one big one big silverfish and yeah, they just end up getting the best of them. We see their weapons in action. Uh, and then April eventually catches up with the turtles and then they realize they were just out there for no real reason. So it was a very simple story, very simple comic. Um, it was a bit of fun. I enjoyed it. I liked, I felt the designs looked a a little better here than the show, but you know it's it's much of a muchness really um writing wise it didn't really add anything so in that regards it feels kind of on par with the amazing adventures comic um which came before it which this is essentially replacing i would as i always sort of harped on about amazing adventures i feel like it's something that they could ...really utilise a bit better just to add... ...just to give a little extra dimension to characters... ...give a bit more background that we don't get on characters in the show... ...whether they will do that with this... ...current rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic series... ...I'm not too sure, but... ...we'll just have to wait and see how long it goes and... ...how well it does. The good thing about this, which was a pain uh, for the Amazing Adventures comic book series was that my local comic store is actually importing these, uh, this current series, whereas the previous one they didn't, so I had to go to eBay, and I had to pay three times as much to get it posted here, and it was a real pain in the butt, but at least I, I'm able to pick it up here, which uh, is always a bonus, because... I get a lot of listeners from different parts of the world, so the ones outside of North America will explain just how we... We... Fans outside the US generally miss out on a lot of stuff, or some stuff's harder to come across, or it's more expensive, which is always a pain in the butt. But if you're a Turtle fan, you go the extra distance. So I would... It would be painful for me to try and like work out how much money I've spent over the years just in postage alone for previous Ninja Turtle comic books. Like all the IDW stuff I've been able to buy locally, but all the prior stuff, the Tales of the TMNT, Volume 4, Archie's Adventures, all that sort of stuff you end up paying three times as much as the comic's worth just to get it posted, and it's really ridiculous. So, sorry, didn't mean to go off on that tangent there, just, you know, first world problems that we collectors have to deal with. But, yeah, um, next thing I did, I actually got... Well, this is going to be the main crux of the episode. That was sort of just the warm-up stuff. But what I started doing on the weekend... Um, Saturday to be exact, I sat down and, well actually I worked out, while I watched, uh, started getting back into watching and trying to complete season 5 of the 2012 series, which like I've mentioned previously, it's pretty pathetic that I haven't finished this yet, I've already got it on DVD, that's how far behind I am, but... I sat down, watched three episodes, it's the apocalypse arc, story arc, the three-parter, episodes 11, 12, and 13, so, yeah, overall, I'll, I'll go and break down each episode and the events and just give my little thoughts and different elements of the story, but overall, I really, really enjoyed this story arc. I enjoyed the Usagi story arc, which I discussed previously, but I feel like this post post apocalyptic storyline I just enjoyed this way more. I just think it was better written more action just overall it was really well done, and I really enjoyed it um obviously straight out the at the gate it has a very mad max vibe to it um sort of slash fallout uh video game series vibe to it. Um, And just the the idea of telling this grim sort of future story arc for the Turtles reminds me a lot... uh, I guess the first version I saw was uh, in the later run of the Archie's uh, TMNT Adventures comics, where we get sort of these much older, grizzled Turtles and their stories. It's something I've always liked. I always find it fascinating um, when any sort of show does it, when we get this glimpse at these characters we know in the future and, you know, where things are all bleak. Um, not that we like to think that the future's all going to be bleak for our characters, but it's just it's just always a cool sort of story uh, type or motif that I enjoy. I like post-apocalyptic sort of stuff. Um, and, yeah, this just, all over this, this arc sort of just, it it was good stuff and it it really um I really enjoyed it. So we'll start off with the first episode, which was episode eleven. Um we start off with a really bulky, bearded, grey old Raphael. Um and it's at some point in the future, we don't exactly know when. I assume it's gotta be like a good fifty years in the future. There's no real time frame put on it, I don't believe. Uh, And we find out that this mutagen bomb or an M-bomb has basically wiped out all humans on the planet. It sort of made out or it wasn't super clear, at least not to me, whether or not a lot of humans were killed. It sounded like most humans were killed and the ones that survived were mutated and turned into mutants. Um, We've got Raphael sort of the lead the lead character for this whole arc but he is joined by a robotic version of Do- donatello which is a little re- reminiscent to me in a good way of the idw death oh for lack of a better uh for my knowledge of the actual story arc name the death of donatello in the idw series whereas Uh, Rocksteady and Bebop smashes in and his body physically dies and then he gets downloaded into Metalhead and becomes this robotic form of himself which is exactly what here we find out when the M-bomb hit Donatello was telepathically or cybernetically linked to the Metalhead robot and he downloads his consciousness into it because his body doesn't survive the bomb And then he's upgraded and obviously made himself more uh, Donatello-esque. So it's pretty cool. I like both of the character designs here. The Raphael, he feels kind of, like I said, uh, get that fallout sort of vibe to him. He also kind of reminds me a bit of like a a troll, or not a troll, a dwarf from... Just like the 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 big beard and the bulky outfit, and he's just he's really thick in this. But I I think it's cool. It's it's a different look. It's really interesting. I like it. Um, Along the way, we we run. They run into these what they're called the Honey Badger Ravages, which is led by the 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 main antagonist uh, for this episode, Verminator Rex. Uh, they we find out they are hunting down this meerkat who has a tattoo on her arm which is a map that leads to this unseen or legendary oasis which uh, Raphael at this point doesn't believe exists but sort of people are holding out hope because they're in a vast desert wasteland and they believe there's or some people have faith that there's this beautiful oasis out there. Um Raphael and Donnie end up crossing paths with uh the the meerkat which we find out her name is Mira. Uh after some sort of disagreements and a bit of bit of fighting they eventually team up when they realize you know they share the same enemy in the ravages Um, And the first episode closes with a very chaotic but pretty action-packed and fun chase sequence with the Ravages getting bested by um, Raphael and Donnie. And at the end of the episode, Mira reveals that she's actually looking for this sort of mystic turtle who lives somewhere out in the wastelands, and they call him the Holy Chalupa, which clues in Mikey and the audience, uh, sorry, clues in Raphael and the audience that it's Mikey, um, or potentially Mikey, because that's obviously one of his catchphrases. So, and the reason that the Meerkat's looking, or is looking for this turtle is... He's the only one that can interpret the map tattoo. Uh, Not sure why. I don't really think it's explained why he can. But anyway, uh, so that's the end of episode one. Um, Sorry, episode 11. Rolling on to episode two. uh, We start off with the Honey Badges Ravages. They roll up on this big fortress... Where we meet a gang of reptiles, which they call the Scale Tail Clan, and the Honey Badgers are basically paying them off or paying for their services to join up with them uh, in the form of unradioactive or ir- non irradiated, I think is probably the term, water. Uh, and that's how they get them on board to help them capture Mira. Uh, Raphael starts making his way into the wastelands uh, along with Mira and Donatello Um, and after this I assume it's like a sandstorm or something or an earthquake or something that goes on they end up gutting it through the wasteland and end up getting surrounded or cornered by this giant well as of yet it's an unknown sort of monster at this point the Holy Chalupa appears and manages, not sort of to tame, but you can tell he's familiar with the animal, and thus it's revealed that it is actually Michelangelo, who is the Holy Chalupa, and the giant monster in question is actually a grown-up version of Chompy, which I thought was a cool little throwback to Chuck in there. You could have had any character to actually have him in there. Obviously, it's sort of forty, fifty years, whatever in the future. So he's gone gigantic, which Rafael makes mention of. Um not quite as big as his mother from his the original appearance of Chompy, but he's you know, he's he's massive. He's like a truck size. So cool little detail. I like that they chuck that in there. Um Mikey himself is looking very Um, I don't want to say disheveled. He looks like a desert hippie uh, he's very lean and wild. He's missing some teeth and he's sort of gone a bit. I mean, Mike has always been wacky, but here he sort of feels like he's a little bit uh, ditzy or he's a little bit spaced out and obviously from being in isolation for so long. Um, at this point, he takes him back to this, to his home, for lack of a better term, which uh, just happens to be a Mexican-themed pizza restaurant uh, where we find that he's been surviving off these rank-tinned pizzas for the last how many years? And he's joined by his friend Ice Cream Kitty, who you kind of wonder how Ice Cream Kitty has survived in this desert wasteland. Um, But yeah, it's not long after they get back there that... um, the ravages and the Tail clan have tracked them down and they destroy the building Um, and they capture Mira and they run off they retreat out of there Raphael sort of had makes a break for them while the building's been exploded and he sort of believes at this point that Michelangelo and Donatello were both destroyed in the building, so he decides to trek forth and try and save Mira. But in uh, the, the Honey Badgers take Mira back to their compound, which in trying to save her, Raphael breaks in and ends up getting captured and thrown into what they call the pit, which is basically the Thunderdome from Mad Max, And he's set to fight Verminator Rex and the leader of the Scaletail clan, which is Imperius Reptilicus, which is a bit of a weird name. I believe, uh, I didn't see in the credits, but I believe Reptilicus is voiced by Robbie Wrist. And then we cross back to Michelangelo and Donatello, who we find have escaped the rubble. They didn't actually die and they ride Chompy all the way to the the compound where they bust in and sort of fight their way to Raphael, uh, who... And we get some cool fight scenes here. I, um, I'll sort of... Um, well, I guess one little detail that I liked here, being that it is the future, obviously the Turtles haven't been training or... We assume they haven't been training or and doing their their normal practicing with Splinter because the whole world's been destroyed or turned into wastelands. So we see them like aged, like Raphael. There's at the start of the first episode, he's like fighting Mira, and she sort of comments about how you know for a for a old turtle is very quick, and he's sort of. It feels like he's warming up and getting his mojo back with fighting. Like, it's 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 harder for him. But once he gets back into that mode, uh, then he can be ninja. Like, there's a scene where he... I think he sweeps around behind Mira. And then she turns around and he's, like, disappeared. It's, like, gone into ninja mode. Um, and during uh, Michelangelo and Donatello's uh, breaking into this ravages compound... We get, like, Donatello is obviously a robot form, but he uses, like, his tech. He's got, like, a flying fist a la metal head, and he's just very robotic in his fight movements. Michelangelo is a bit more, I want to say, like, fluid. Like he's, of uh, like I mentioned earlier, he's really, like, lean and sinewy, and he's just, like... Flip him around like a crazy wild man, and I just thought that was a uh, cool little details that they... not only of the character personas matured and changed, their physical features have changed as as they've aged, and just their fighting styles have all sort of all reflective of the life and the situations that they've they've gone through. So. Yeah, I just thought that was a cool little detail, and I I really appreciated that. Um, We find that as uh, Raphael... um, Well, we find that Raphael has bested the two gang leaders as Donatello and Michelangelo come in. They find Raphael's being hoisted on the shoulders of the gangs, and that's when they proclaim, because he's beaten their leaders, he is now the leader of both of the gangs. Um, A kind of broken... Verminator Rex has got his chainsaw arm uh, broken off and he's sort of a bit, um, I guess, a bit shooken up. Uh, he rides off or runs out of there while, while all the attention's on Raphael. Um, and he makes his way to this even bigger, more foreboding dark fortress where we come across this new giant masked villain who's kind of... He reminds me of uh, Bane from the Batman uh, universe. Um, And he's revealed to be Maximus Kong. Pardon me. Um, With a name like Maximus Kong, I expected him to be like a gorilla or something, but that doesn't happen to be the case. But anyway, Rex mentions to Kong how he knows the location of the map to, an, to the o- oasis and, you know, he needs help getting it because the map's been protected by these turtles, um, at which point Kong sort of makes the claim that the map and the oasis uh, belongs to him. So that's how episode 12 ends. Uh, going into episode 13 now, which is the wrap-up episode, uh, or the wrap-up of this story arc. Um, I thought actually thought this third part of the story arc was kind of the weakest. It had some cool elements, but um, we find the team is back on track looking for the Oasis um, as My- Mikey is deciphering the map. I don't know if I just missed it, I blanked it out, but I I don't know if it's explained why Michelangelo would know or be able to interpret the map. Uh, Mira sort of explained in episode one that she's from this clan of meerkats and they've sort of, her family's been destroyed, so she's, and they all had uh, the map represented on them and... Because of the decimation of her family and her clan, she's they've lost the meaning of the map, and that's why she needed the help of the the holy Chalupa. Um, but yeah, so they get into certain things like uh, they find this, well, what they interpret as a is a antenna on the map. It's at a fork in the road, and they get to this fork in the road, and it's actually a, a tree, and. Um, Mira, sort of, she's like, what's what's a tree? Uh, Because in the wastelands, there's basically no green life, and this acts as an indicator to them that they're on their right path, because they're finally starting to see signs of life. Um, And as this happens, they get... um, We find Maximus Kong is actually on their tail, and... His giant fortress is actually this massive vehicle, which I thought was pretty cool. It's kind of like a rolling. um, Yeah, a rolling compound or a rolling fortress, a giant tank, essentially. Kind of. Kind of. I guess a little technodrome ish in a way, being uh, that it's so big, which is just kind of cool with him sitting up on his thrown higher atop it um, makes for pretty cool imagery um, so as he's, uh on their trails uh raphael while they're trying to fight off uh awesome Kong's little minions which I don't know what they are they're kind of little like oily blob just kind of like putties from the power Rangers they're not real it doesn't really seem like they're alive or anything because they get exploded and smashed to pieces. Uh, so while the turtles are busy trying to fight them off, Raphael ends up going one and one with Kong. Um, during the fight, uh, Raphael ends up sort of punching off, punching off his helmet, and that's when the big reveal comes that it's a mutated Leonardo. Now I kind of saw this coming, but I still it was still kind of cool kind of a you know a bit of a swerve, to use a wrestling terminology. Um, but yeah, this obviously comes as a shock to Raphael. One of a cool part, or one bit that I really enjoyed in the first episode was when uh, Raphael's mentioning on a flashing back on the M-bomb, we see this quick, uh, what's done in sort of comic book style art flashbacks, which we've seen in previous episodes when they've done this. Um, Of which shows a version of Leo getting crushed and it's kind of dramatic in a way and that's what Raphael led to thinking that Leonardo was dead but it seems that Leonardo actually well he makes mention well we find out that Leonardo as pushing his brothers out of harm's way he's actually impacted by the bomb and that's what's mutated him into this giant grotesque creature that he's become, and we find out that Leo's actually got no no memory of his past life of his brothers, and while Raphael's sort of you know in shock that is is he's found his brother um, Kong or Leonardo is still you know he's in flight mode. Um, this leads to a scene with. Leonardo actually getting the upper hand, he's got Raphael around the neck, and he's sort of holding him off the edge of this giant fortress, um, and then we get this uh, uh, just a bit of a flash of a scene where it's a, a young Raphael, and he says to, says to Leonardo, I love you bro, and it's sort of, you see him sort of, sh- he, get, he gets a little shaken up, and then he just throws Raphael from the vehicle, um, at which the vehicle itself or the fortress crashes into a mountain. Um, the turtles rush to the wreckage and and pull Leo from it. At this point, he's sort of coming to. He's he's a bit shaken up, but he's. It seems this this bit of a memory flash with Leonardo has helped sort of start re- restoring his memories or sort of. He begins to remember how, and he explains to the turtles how he got mutated uh, by the blast and how he sort of lost himself when he, you know, awoke to being this this massive freak. Um, It felt like this episode was mainly just a chase scene and the fight scene, so it felt like a very abrupt ending uh, in which the sort of turtles reconnect with Leonardo. They're a family now, and next thing we have them, and they're standing on this rock, and it's sort of revealed that they are that they've found their way to the oasis. Now, the reason I said I don't like this as much, I did really like the you know the reveal that I was Leonardo and that sort of twist on it, but I just didn't. I just felt like the. Re- the episode summed itself up so quickly with like, that was the twist, now we're at the Oasis, all all's happy, you know, all's well that ends well. Just found a little bit like a lazy tie-up there. But overall, like I said, I really did enjoy the story arc. I thought it was different. It was really fun and action-packed. I loved all the character designs, the crazy vehicles they had in there. The, the action scenes were just different because it was chases, but, I don't know, just some really fun different stuff was thrown in there. And I felt like, for as far out there as the story it was, there was actually some, like, genuine emotion there. Um, like, things like Raphael in the first episode, he feels, like, really lost and kind of broken, especially when he's thinking about losing his brothers. Um, and... As we get into episode two, he sort of starts to find himself and he sort of starts to gain a little hope back and we sort of see that as he shaves off his beard, he reveals this really like Buzz Buzz Lightyear sort of square jaw and, you know, his grizzled face. Um, sort of, I guess, indicating that he's rever- reverting back to himself or he's sort of finding himself a little bit um, and I thought it was capped off really nicely with the closing scene of episode three as the turtles are enjoying this bigger oasis they're on. It sort of pans up to the sky and we see, uh, sort of, uh, the brothers reunited in the clouds with their master splinter and that's what freezes into the last frame of the, of the episode. So I just thought that was really nice, really well done, um it's one of those you think it's like an alternate uh alternate timeline sort of stories because you don't want to think that that's the turtles fate because it's obviously a very grim story with like everyone they know getting mutated and and essentially dying and then it's just this big horrible wasteland where the turtles are separated for 40 years so I just look at it as an alt alternate timeline um but yeah just a very fun story arc Um, obviously, what I've always, um, what I've always said I really enjoy about the 2012, or I think I really enjoy in TV shows, is where they can have the individual stories, but they add to an overall story arc. I do believe, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, but I know that after season four finished, or the wrapping, the the revving down of from season 4 it was announced that season 4 was going to be the end of the series and I feel like that's why season 5 was probably greenlit lit uh, due to not wanting to have such a delay between the end of season 4 and the start of Rise because that would have been basically a year and a half two years that we didn't have any turtle material and being that the turtles from a show aspect you've got the you've got the voice talent you've got the whole universe they're created with the i don't know what you want to call it uh, the the engine that you have to create um, you know like all the I, I don't even know what the technical stuff is you'd say you've got all the you've got all the technical stuff there Laid out design-wise, for it to be easier to create a fifth season than to create something new with Rise. So I feel like that's why this fifth episode, uh, fifth season, felt different in the sense that they went with the tales of the Tmnt. Uh, that's because they can have these short segmented um, story arcs that don't really have an overarching story. So in that regards, I appreciate this for what it is. It still feels like the 2012 series, um, but it just gives us something a little different. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed this. This is probably my favorite uh, little story arc from this Tales season. But I know I've got uh, a couple more episodes to go because I've got season. Uh, I've got episodes 14 through 20, which I'm assuming is going to be two story arcs i know there's a monsters uh, story arc in there somewhere um but yeah keen to keep watching those i'll my plan is to to maybe watch three episodes this coming weekend and three the following weekend and then i can uh, be up to date with that and i can put more focus on the new rise stuff um one thing i felt like they didn't capitalize on here was I know with the Usagi storyline, they did do toy line, they did do a toy line, they did figures. Um, I I picked up a couple of them, they were really cool. I feel like they totally should have done a toy line for this story arc. I don't know if they did in the US, I haven't googled it or anything. It definitely, If they have, it definitely didn't come out over here. But just the character designs were really cool. I'd love to get figures of, like, old turtles, like a... That Robo Donatello would be awesome to have. The giant, uh, juiced-up Leonardo would be cool. The old, grizzle bearded Raphael would be cool. Um, yeah, I just feel like that's a missed opportunity. Even having um, that tank version or the the metallic version of the shell razor or... Just any of the vehicles that the, the Ravagers use would have been awesome because from a design uh, aspect, I, I thought they were really cool. So just kind of a missed opportunity there. But I don't know about elsewhere, but the toy line has been very sparse in, in the shops. We don't really see like the toy section for the last 12, 24 months has only been like a you see only a few figures in there, so obviously, really, really ramping that down on on the marketing production, most likely because all the 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 tooling and all that sort of the production side's probably getting geared up for the onslaught that will be coming with rise of the TMNT, because um, I'm assuming that toy line's gonna only be a month or two or a couple of months away from hitting the shelves. At least in the in in Australia, because we always get this stuff later than the US. Um, obviously, due to distribution and stuff like that, because it gets shipped over from overseas. But I'm I'm still keeping an eye on the toy shelves. I'm probably not going to buy many figures from this series, just because, like I said, I'm not. So far, I'm not sold on the character designs. I can't see myself getting you know, any of these new bad guy figures, I might pick up uh, one of each of the the base Turtles, um, and generally I only really go after Michelangelo variants, different versions of Michelangelo, but I don't even know if I'm going to do that this year, Oh, sorry, with this season, but I'll see how we go. Um, so yeah, just overall, I... I I enjoyed watching this way more than I did watching Rise. I'm really keen to get through the last six episodes and, and I'll get to talking about that. The other thing I have been doing, I only just actually started on the weekend as well. I read episode, uh, sorry, issue 61 of the IDW comic books. I know I just got issue, uh, issue 84 from my comic store this past week, so... I'm 20 plus issues behind on the IDW series as well as the uh, TMNT Universe comic book. So that's something else I'm really going to give a good solid go at, at getting through those. And what I'll probably try and do is cover a bunch of episode issues, maybe six or so issues uh, per podcast, just to try and get through to them because I really want to get up to date and keep the podcast fresh because... Anyone probably listening now is like, you're covering stuff that's a couple of years, like a 12 months old at this point. You know, we're, we're sort of past that. But um, yeah, I want to get back up to date with being on top of stuff. The other thing I've been doing lately too, I've been picking up outside of Ninja Turtle related stuff. I've been picking up a lot of older get video game stuff. For anyone who follows my my retrospective YouTube channel, I do a lot of uh, op-shopping videos or flea market videos where I pick up video games and just old collectibles and stuff like that. And video games, I, I'm super casual video gamer. I'm not hardcore in any way, but I've always liked collecting and picking up video game stuff. And because that's sort of been reignited in me in the last 6 to 12 months, I'm going through and I'm trying to Pick out holes in my Ninja Turtles video game collection. I'd really like to try and fill that out. Get get that complete. Because there's while there is a fair bit of Ninja Turtles video games out there, there's not as many as you'd think. Being that the 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 property's you know thirty plus years old, um, so really just trying to flesh out that collection. And what I want to start doing is I've done a podcast a couple of years back where I covered what my favorite Ninja Turtle video games were. And that was mainly stuff around the Game Boy, Nintendo's Super Nintendo. Because that's all I really played as a kid. There's a lot of games on PlayStation 2, Xbox, uh, Xbox, GameCube, 360, PS3. Um, that I just haven't played. Um, I've got a few of them in my collection, but I'm trying to pick up more of them, and I'm really keen to get looking into those and playing some different games. And then I don't know if I'll get enough material together or get enough. I'll maybe I'll get some sort of list together and sort of just cover my favourites or something. But you know, just something different because. For so long, or what? At least the last six months, I feel like I've just been covering newer turtle stuff and turtle news, which is completely fine. I love doing that, but I also want to try and sprinkle some of that older school turtle content that I did more of at the start of uh, at the start of doing this podcast. And yeah, because I guess I've I've run the gamut with like covering all the movies and. The cartoons and and that sort of stuff. So just trying to sprinkle a li- little more old school, different content in there. But yeah, at the moment I'm really feeling the vibe of doing the podcast. Really enjoying it, and I'm I'm feeling motivated to keep going. So just gonna keep riding this wave of motivation. And yeah, so like I said, hopefully I'll be back in the next couple of weeks to cover. Uh, some more episodes from season five and, and sort of get back into the IDW comics uh, comic books. So as always uh, really appreciate those of you continue to, whether you listen to the podcast, occasionally you've only listened to a couple episodes, whether you've been listening from the start, uh, those who give me feedback on Twitter or YouTube, just any of that stuff. I I really appreciate it. Um, And I'll catch you guys next time. Cowabunga!